Right, well, welcome back to the Limehouse podcast. If you haven't been here before, then hello, welcome. Get a chair, get a pew, come and sit down. Not too close. Uh, nothing to do with social distancing. I just, you know, there's always a risk that you might have halitosis and no one wants that. Good God. Uh, this week is a, I don't know, it, it kind of marks a bit of a watershed moment, I would say, in the podcast in as much as we haven't I haven't had a hip hop artist on the show before I've spoken to a couple that have yet to put them out so this one is Sar Rock this is a lady who you may or may not know uh, she released a fantastic uh, single a, a couple of years ago called Forever and this is how it sounds. Hope that it improves me, my bamboos accustomed to me. You'll be soon accustomed to me. This tomorrow, I got royal hemoglobin coursing through me. And my strength is now inhuman. I get that straight from my own beside this silver mouth, the grill of yours and truly. You better shine on them, baby, you a star. You And then this track that I'm about to drop is from her latest album, Sharecropper's Daughter. And this is called Deliverance. If I could get a taste of my freedom, I would save her every petite bit pied. Planes like I was the skeegees, flaggers, let them in comic allegiance. Why get riding on these mics can turn a phrase like I can Tina. Stories blooded and beaten so well, we're calling them red tails. How convenient facts. The struggle I know left physical scars as lasting proof. Mommy and pops resist the drama, pushing the balance. Quite an intense conversation. We only had 25 minutes together because of her restraints in terms of her. Uh, media obligations I would say you know like the junket kind of express for re- releasing an album and and it's pretty damn pretty damn awesome it kind of afforded me an opportunity to just get to it do you know what I mean so that I, I couldn't I mean I tried to be me as in as much as like the the BS machine started up a bit early on with talking about cricket as you will no doubt here if you're not from the UK listening to this just google cricket i mean you don't obviously if you're not from the uk if you don't know what cricket is then google what cricket is and if you know what it is but have a vague understanding i suggest you spend the rest of your life getting to know it because it is the greatest sport in the entire universe yeah you know i mean i don't know what they're playing on mars these days but i can't i mean i can't imagine they could fashion anything i mean on Mars, the amoeba on Mars are not having cricket matches yet. And if and if it's anything as good as cricket, then I want to go there just to watch it. Richard Branson, if you're listening. And I I just I loved it. It was an intense conversation. We got straight down to it. You know, uh, talk a lot about her upbringing um, and it, funnily enough, around the song I just played you forever. She talks a lot about self-harm in that in that song and and her upbringing and and 
her and then the new album she talks specifically about her a lot of things but mainly about her dad as well so look um uh and and actually what really interested me was kind of like generational trauma as well so we touch on that quite a bit um her father worked at a, a tobacco plantation and what have you so we touch on that and and that's that's quite important but yeah, I, uh, how have you been? I, I, I wonder how you have been. It's been a, a crazy old week here in in, in the old uh, HQ, Limehouse Podcast HQ. We don't know whether we're going to go on holiday. I, I don't know if we're going to go to Greece or not. It, it's just one of those things. Do we go and then have to face two weeks of quarantine? I don't know. If we're there in Greece on a Greek island, are they going to shut everything down when we're there? Spend two weeks in a hotel? Mm. Yeah, I mean, fine. I, I, if, you, if you've got the booze, who cares? Pour booze over it. It'll make everything all right. Maybe not. But yeah, look, enjoy the, enjoy the show. I know you're going to. It's, it's a real good one. If you've got time to check out the website with my short film on it and and what have you blog material the 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 full works you can do so somedaysardiamonds.co.uk somedaysardiamonds.co.uk there's so much on there and that's all i ask of you to visit that website and check it out and let me know what you think feel free to email the show as always good to hear from you the Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com and then you've got Twitter, of course. Limehouse Pod on Twitter and Instagram. we it's it's all there. It's all there. I mean, it's confusing to me. I try my best with it, and it's very hard to generate like, you know, material for it and uh, content, but oh yoish, I try. Anyway, I'm gonna go find someplace nice and chill out for a bit. You look after yourself, be well. And um, at some point, I'll bring you my conversation with the legendary rock star from a little way back called Steve Harley. Okay, come up and come up and see me. Make me smile. Okay, kids, look after yourselves. Me or something. (laughs) That's hilarious. All right. I was like, wow, great. I mean, that's really cool and everything, but I don't think you should put it on the album. You know, it was, it, was, it was so funny. It was like, just like that. It was completely insane. Just, just my luck, right? How, how are you doing anyway? Are you good? I'm good. How are you? Oh, I'm. We're windswept over here in the UK. It's like a hurricane coming in. It's crazy. Oh. Well, it feels yeah. like that here. It's been raining every day for the past week. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a sport over here called cricket, and um, it's basically just been rained on the entire time. So all British um, blokes my age are kind of that love cricket have, have been very depressed. But um, oh. <laughs> I don't think you tuned in to talk cricket with me. So, <laughs> but how are you doing? You've had like a half day or of um, chat uh, with the media and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good. You know, feels good to talk about the album, and um, yeah. it makes me more anticipate even more the release date. So, God, yeah, yeah, like the second of October, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's super exciting. I mean, like in terms of being an artist, having an album to bring out, 
hopefully out of lockdown, which probably won't happen. But, you know, let's be optimistic. What does it what does it feel like to be having sat on that material for such a long period of time going into like a new sort of, I don't know, era of music released, releasing music because of COVID-19? Yeah, it's it's interesting. It kind of sparks a little bit of anxiety because I, I a lot of the um, a lot of the the new direction is digital, obviously, and I'm not like super up on that. I'm not. Yeah. I, I'm not a social media person. Like I'm on social media, but I don't really care for social media like that. So to know now that I have to like instead of being able to perform and like connect with supporters and stuff like that in person, I now have to do that, this kind of um, canned, like new, create this, this experience online. And it's interesting, like, you know, we're finding, you know, creative ways to do it and, and find the, find the fun in it. But um, it's, 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 it's a, it's definitely shaken up my world um, for sure. Well, it's like creating content you got to create content, right? All the time, every day. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I just want to curl up and read a book and um, write my, my journal and, <laughs> and yeah. binge the latest series. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's interesting having to, you know, cons- consistently, it's like you have your own like television programming um, to, to maintain that connection with yeah, people. Sure. And I find that, you know, when I do, I find that, you know, I enjoy connecting with people that way. It's just a little bit more difficult, you know, cause you're having to respond to people with, you know, tight questions yeah. and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's, um, I had just, COVID hit like just when I was on my last, um, the last leg of the Rhapsody tour that I did. And I had a tour um, scheduled for Europe, literally yeah. a week after I, w- I had gotten home. I was supposed to leave out um, in another week. And that happened and it was a complete and utter, like just shock, you know, you know, and then just like adjusting to the pandemic and, you know, all of that that was happening and having to to view reality through this new lens. Um, And and on top of like the world imploding over over your your neck of the woods, uh, well, not exactly your neck of the woods with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. It's like from over here in the UK, it just seemed like whatever was happening in like America, it was and it's still now and it's going to get worse because of the election coming up. But it just seemed like there was a lot of implosion is there is a lot of implosion going on. There's no need to mm-hmm. use past tense. It's just like it's happening, and particularly with your background in 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 political activism and stuff. I mean, how was your reaction in and around like uh, that that time when um, the emergence of the murder of uh, George Floyd? Um, to me, honestly, it was interesting seeing people who like non-black people. How you know it affected you know non-black people um, yeah. because we've been enduring this for you know and we've been re-traumatized by these types of situations you know you know the the george floyd situation as tragic and horrific and infuriating as it was you know we had been through that with eric garner you know and we had seen that with tamir rice and trayvon martin and you know all of these countless names that we have almost almost like tattooed, you know, on our hearts. 
Um, so it was interesting seeing the rest of the world kind of rally behind, you know, this movement and this this um, uh, realization that there needs to be a fundamental transformation of the justice system um, and you know the fabric of the very this very country in the world. Yeah. So. I mean, it's kind of like you're what you're explaining there. You're painting a landscape of like people such as yourself, uh, people with any kind of like common consciousness, or like people who basically give a shit about their 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 environment. We're ready to go anyway. Like this is exactly what you said. It's not like oh George Floyd. You know this is new. This isn't. It's hysterically not the case. But yeah. um, it's just about change, isn't it? And I. I mean, this is kind of like the new era we're living in. You talk about social media earlier on and how we're not, I'm 38, like t- 39 soon. I think you're kind of my age as well. And it's like, maybe some of us are still trying to catch up with that whole thing. But the George Floyd thing was like, um, to not to be too crude about it, but certainly a viral aspect of a movement, you know, that we're seeing, which yeah. kind of happened, uh, you know, across like Libya and what have you, not so long ago, well, five years ago, gosh. But it's just, it's inexplicable. But the trauma aspect is, is I suppose, really interesting for me, specific, specifically because your album. Mm-hmm. I mean, generational trauma, I think a lot of people associate with uh, Holocaust survivors and stuff, but you specifically because your your dad um, and uh, what he went through is, uh, on the sharecropping. Can you talk a bit about that and like how it inspired your new album? Right. Yeah, and and honestly, what within you know the the black community and the we refer to the, the transatlantic slave trade and then Jim Crow as the Black Holocaust or the African Holocaust as well because so many lives were indeed lost and in, and in as well and um, torture, mutilation, rape, and all of that happened as well. Um, but in particular, with my father. He grew up in Jim Crow era, um, South Virginia and then Maryland at the time. And he shared crop with his family on a tobacco farm. And I remember growing up and having these, you know, hearing these stories and being, I hate to say the word burdened, but as a child, as a, as a small child, that's kind of what it felt like because it was very heavy. You know, mm. many of his experiences involved, you know, being a victim of racism, you know, having experiences with the Ku Klux Klan, having his mother um, experience mental breakdowns because of it and because of how the family suffered at the hands of it. Um, and so having to wear that and to carry that early on coupled with my own experience growing up in, you know, Southeast DC, which is in, um, an urban area in DC that is quite impoverished. And, and this, this time was the crack era where there was a lot of violence and, you know, seeing that, you know, on my periphery, you know, and mm-hmm. also experiencing it myself, like my father being robbed and shot. Um, and so how our stories were so different, but they converged on this um, on this um, this similarity of these this these two kinds of 
tragically familiar black experiences of black life in America. And it just really speaks to, it's so salient right now because it just kind of shows that these things are symptomatic of um, systemic issues that have yet to be addressed. You know, with George Floyd, we see echoes of Emmett Till. And that happened during my father, you know, when my father was growing up. Um, but ultimately the album is about um, sorting through that, that heaviness, sorting through the heaviness of your history and the heaviness of the things that we inherit and finding the value and the, the treasure out of the trauma, out of the tragedy. Um, and, and, and understanding how that has shaped your personhood and how it shapes your perspective in the world and how you can reshape and reform your future. Um, so yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Man alive. Man alive. That is so much, right? And like, what would you say like, I mean, it's an easy, an easy question, I suppose. But what, um, what have you learned most from your, your experiences growing up? Uh, like in terms of, uh, in terms of history and trauma and, and, and what your father's passed on to you? Um, really just how important that it's important for us to tell, to still tell these stories. Um, I think yeah. it's important for us to tell these stories when, um, our children are ready. And, um, and I think that we need to instill the same amount of, which my, which my parents did. I grew up in a loving home, but, um, I think with those kind, that kind of history and that kind of, um, heaviness, we have to ensure that our children understand that they're not victims of that, that they are empowered um, to, while we, while we may be victims of that, we do not remain victimized. Let me say that. Okay, um, yeah. A degree of empowerment, right? Yes, we have to create um, a sense of empowerment. And it took me a, a while to understand and process that. You know, it took me a while to understand that I had a right to experience joy, you know, that I had a right to um, live a life that was free of, of, of sorrow and free of, you know, um, and to, to create spaces where I was able to um, express, you know, without this insistent and persistent um, attack on my humanity. Yeah. Like in the in the importance of that. So, um so as I grew and developed, I underst I un started to understand, you know, my worth and how important my voice was and I had a right to speak, I had a right to take up space, I have a right to um create in the way that I see fit and I don't have to please anyone. Um yeah, so like I think that we we are taught that we have to navigate life on this certain path, especially um, as defined by our experiences. And we have to realize that we are empowered to create our own paths. And if we want to veer off the path, go on the, off the beaten path, we can do that too. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what life's about, right? Getting off the path, getting your hands dirty and getting involved in it. You, you only have one life after all. Um, yeah. But wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
man that yeah i'm trying to absorb everything you're you're saying and it's uh quite a bit and we've only got like about 15 minutes left so i'm like geez louise but i'm just sort of struck by some of your bio on on your rhyme on on rhyme sayers website um and it's been with me for a long time now because i've been like at uh, your p uh well your pr people over in the uk a lot my friend andrew and um to, to get to, to speak to you and it's so cool that it coincides with this album because it means I get to speak to you which is wonderful um but like you you were is it right you were born three months premature and you didn't talk to you were like 14 months old or something mm-hmm yeah whoa I mean that's tra- that's trauma on top of trauma right exactly exactly um and it's funny that I ended up on this path, being as shy as I was and having that origin story. And it's it's rather symbolic, I feel like now, you know, not being able to, to vocalize and then having that become like my career path. Yeah. Um, and even that in itself was was kind of a, a healing process. I feel like becoming a writer and, and confronting my fears of being in front of audiences and having to speak um, was a part of me healing that part of myself that that was voiceless for, for so long um yeah so it's 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 interesting you would never I would have I, I literally have laughed in people's faces when they told me that I I needed to be doing something in front of people and uh, <laughs> now I love it I love performing <laughs> yes you do apparently quite good at it as well I like I've got a friend who didn't didn't talk until he was seven and now mm. he is like a uh, huge he performed like a comedy thing at my uh, at my my wife's wedding uh, like a, yeah. a comedy skit with his with his partner it was hysterical and like yeah if you'd said to him you know whoa you never talked to yourself I mean God, that would making up crazy. a lot of time <laughs> right and, and a lot of people do the whole making up for lost time thing, don't they? When they finally find out what it is they want in life, it's just hard mm-hmm. to, to get it. And especially when you're coming from a background that is impoverished and, and the barriers are around you, you know, it's hard. And it's 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 all over the place. Like we've got many instances in the UK uh, of poverty, but also, you know, like I could point towards like the troubles, the height of Northern Ireland and troubles over there and, and the trauma those people grow up with, you know, um, mm-hmm is pain is is all over the world um it just seems to be in an acute stage right now um but you you're also like a motivational speaker are you not you you, you do um like um, help people i don't know if i would call it a motivational speaker i okay. have um spoken on many different platforms like i'm a vegan so I have partnered with a. <laughs> I have partnered with um, an organization called Hip Hop Is Green, yeah. and they use um, hip hop as a vehicle to promote awareness about plant-based eating. And we go to different schools and we speak on panels and stuff like that about the benefits of plant-based eating. Awesome. And then I do like workshops. Like I'll do. Um, I've done workshops both in. Um, in Belgium and Germany and I've done some in the States as well on writing and then just about hip hop and its role in activism and things like that. Um, so not necessarily a motivational speaker. If you were motivated from 
my speech then cool but <laughs> I, yeah well you know man we're like if we if we were to do, if we could if have an hour then maybe i could set one up we could get a panel on you know it'd be it'd be an interesting thing but i think you speak the way you speak is like it's not rehearsed but it's very to the point and very well articulated i think that's where i get that notion from but also you know reading a bit about your bio as well and also on your um what's it called now instagram account you do you, you love your you love your food man and it's like presented really beautifully so it's like you know you get you get body mind together it can yeah. kind of create a better you right yeah absolutely i love yeah. i am so greedy like i love food i'm a super big foodie um, <laughs> and it, it's so amazing that I became vegan like right when there was uh, a lot of exploration in vegan food. There was a lot of innovation um, with like new vegan products. And um, so as I started, I became vegan. And then, you know, maybe six or seven years later, I started to rhyme. And then maybe a few years later that I start later than that, I started to tour and discovering all of this amazing food uh, all over the world is incredible because people still don't know that veganism isn't unique to you know the UK or the States. Like I literally have gone to Bogota, Colombia and found you know amazing vegan restaurants, amazing vegan food. In Ghana, you know, West Africa, same, amazing vegan food. So yeah, um, yeah it was an awakening for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um... I just, this is really bad. I need to pivot back because there was a question in my head that um, I had regarding okay. your regarding your song Forever. And it's pretty, you know, it's it's deeply personal, right? It deals with your, you know, your own like, um, issues around self-harm and stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And, I, and I, I mean, from someone myself, I'm starting to write a bit about my life experiences and I'm contemplating the I'm writing it's fine I'm in that little bubble of writing it oh it's okay it's never going to come out but one day I do want to have it published so I'm in that area of like holy shit this is going to be out in the world and there's some really personal stuff out there what was it like for you to to go right this is going out into the world I mean I'm okay forever maybe it's not the first time you, you wrote about it but I mean in terms of like recognition that song really picked up didn't it so how was that relationship with the wider world it's interesting because it was something that I hid for a really long time. I mean, I mean, the scars were visible, but like I would make up stories and, you know, about how they happened or just like, just didn't talk about it. And most people are uncomfortable enough that they will see it and don't, you know, mention it or anything like that. Right. Um, and so it took me years to become comfortable with the fact, comfortable enough with the fact that this was a phase in my life that, um, you know, it was tough, but it was, uh, I knew that other people had endured it. And it was important for both myself and for the larger world of people who had endured that and had gone through that to understand that these things don't mar us, you know, these things mm -hmm. add to enhance our beauty because they are things that made us stronger you know, the, in the moment where we felt our most weakest and our most vulnerable and our most um, sad, you know, being able to now look at these as, you know, as um, a measure of where we once were and, you know, where we are now mm -hmm. is, 
it's part of like our evolution and it's not something that we should shy away from and it's not something that I should shy away from. And the outpouring of just recognition and support and people coming up to me like who had either either done it themselves or had, you know, their daughters, you know, who were inflicting uh, self-harm on themselves. It was um, just confirmation that being an artist is really about like digging into yourself and allowing yourself to be vulnerable. Sure, you can pick and choose the things you want to divulge because you have to have, you have to keep some of yourself for yourself. Mm. But things that I feel like people can learn from the way that I learned from them um, to uh, empower them and are just to me a part of my um, a part of my gift, a part of my my art. You know, yeah. The, yeah. some of the best artists, you know, the best works that they've created are intimately connected to the um, most private aspects of themselves. Yeah. I mean, and also just like people give, giving the, the power to people, empowering people to know that uh, shame is, it, I don't know what you'd call shame. It's a freaky thing. Like I've suffered from it in my life and it's prevented me from just talking to the closest people in my life. And then yeah. when I've opened up about the shit that I'm ashamed about, they're like, oh, that, that messes with my head too. Like, right, don't right. worry, we're, we're all in this shit together. You know, yeah. we're all in this. Yeah. And it's, in, well, it's hugely. Of the people who are like, have experienced the exact same thing and here you're alone in your own little bubble of, um, of shame and self-scorn and, and, you know, not believing that you're entitled to, you know, be present be visible be vocal because you have these things that you're hiding you know but um wow we've all experienced bumps bruises scars you know along the way some are visible and some aren't but they have shaped us into the brilliant beautiful valuable beings that we are so yeah yeah uh so shame we can't fist bump but there you go um just be- oh, it's a shame we can't fist bump, but, oh, but we can't, you know. <laughs> but um, before we go, can I just ask one question? Like, can you give me an artist that you're listening to at the moment that we can all, my like listeners can get into and, and have a little, uh, I don't know if you can uh, reference anybody that you'd, you'd fancy at the moment? Um, Dynasty. Uh, yeah. She's an artist out of Queens who I've uh, toured with as well. I'm going back listening to her stuff. She's another artist who is exceptionally vulnerable, um, but re- her message is about like recognizing your greatness and recognizing you know the power of who you are. And it's constantly on repeat in my playlist because we could all use a little bit more of that, you know, in a world yeah. that tries to belittle you, right? Right. <laughs> yeah, that's an ongoing thing, man. But. Um... God, isn't it just? That's like, like a, a mantra. Whatever the mantra is in your in your head, you have to invent to get through life. Then just you know, mm-hmm. as long as as long as it's wholesome, then uh, you've done okay. Self affirming, self affirming. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, thanks so much for your time. Thank you. You're a truly a lovely person. Uh, have you got any more people from the UK hitting you up today? Uh, I had someone. Um... I can't, Michael. I can't remember his name. <laughs> there's a lot. I, there's a lot. There's a lot. 
But um, yeah. yeah, I did the, my previous interview right before you was from the yeah. UK. Okay, nice one. You got a double header of Brits. It's great. And I can't wait. Like I cannot Wizard. wait. Wizard. Wizard Radio. I Wizard. don't know. I'm afraid. Okay. No. But regardless, I I, yeah. I literally cannot wait to come back when the world opens up again and we can all connect and be on a stage and stuff. I cannot wait yeah. to come back to the the UK and perform. Like, Man, I, th- yeah, there's no chance of me coming over to the, the the US anytime soon. But I I hope to God that you guys come over this because that would be amazing. And maybe just bring Brother Ali with you. That'll be right. Awesome. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> that will be a time. That will be a time, and I'm ready. Yeah. So ready yeah. for. It. <laughs> oh man, so much energy. Cool. Well, look, thanks so much for your time. It's uh, and um, thank you to whoever the technical man there was uh, to your left. Yes. Uh, thank you to. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> Brilliant. Take care. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye.